fans, this is your man Cam. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to another fantastic week of Voice of the Fans podcast. I got Mr. Cleavon Steele hanging online. What's going on, Cleavon? Oh, uh, good to hear. Be here. Everyone's on great. Well, that's good to hear, my man. We make up Voice of the Fans, and as always, fans, want to thank you guys for tuning in. This is week seventy-four of the Voice of the Fans podcast. In this show, we're going to give our Super Bowl recap, talk about some of the prop bets that we made. We're also going to recap NBA trade deadline, some of the biggest trades that we've made. And then lastly, we're going to give you a quote from Mr. Legendary Laker, Kobe Bryant himself. And then we're going to slide in some XFL talk. Cleveland, you ready for some more football? we got XFL starting this weekend. Tom Brady. I want to also thank our fans listening to us on either of the podcast platforms, Apple, Google Podcasts, Tuned In, Radio Public, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Please take a moment while you're listening to go ahead and leave a comment for our show. It really helps us out. We appreciate that as well. And then as well, we want to shout out our fans listening to us on Rise Radio, being pumped out of Las Vegas, Nevada. So let's get ready, sit back, get comfortable, because this is Week 74 of Voice of the Fans podcast, Mr. Cleveland. As we do with the beginning of every show, it's February 6, 2020, believe it or not, and it is Week 74, as I mentioned a few times. We take the numbers, February 6, and Mr. Cleveland. The number six, who wore that number best? Or who wouldn't know, when you think of the number six, what uniform comes to your mind? Your mind? I think you know, Julius you know, in, in, Irving comes to my mind that first immediately. Who comes to your mind, sir? I definitely uh, Julius Irving probably comes to mind, uh, you know, you know, first and most notably, but also uh, a guy um, that when he went to Miami for his four years there, uh, a guy named LeBron James, went to four straight finals, and won two of them, also comes to mind. I mean, was that guy number six, number 23? I think you tried to pull him up wearing 23 a couple of weeks ago. I mean, what, 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 what one was synonymous with you? Well, he definitely wore, you know, number six quite quite well in Miami. I don't know if you remember the two championships in the four straight NBA finals, but uh and he wore it quite nicely. Okay. Fifty percent for the finals is not that's not bad. And you gotta get there to win it, right? Yeah, four straight years, yeah. Yeah, you gotta get there to win it uh, I mean Buffalo Bills. With with, with with that team winning the number six, but I mean getting to the to the other four NBA you know, finals on top of that later. Another okay. time. Okay, okay, another time, yeah. How about the number 74? When you think of the number 74, who goes to your mind? Or who wore, wore that jersey number best? I can't believe you let off Bill Russell, but you just chose to go with the guy who wore it, who was in Miami for a brief moment instead of the leg, most legendary winner actually resides up in the Pacific Northwest. He let Bill 
Russell off the list. But okay, who wore number seventy four? You know, I think the seventy four. Um, you know, ironically, Jim Lachey comes to mind. Uh, you know, the thirty offensive line between the Raiders and the Redskins. You look quite nicer. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I think the Seahawks second, second and third year in the league. You know, they start doing the specials around town, and if you go to McDonald's and get the Happy Meal, you got a glass, the Mono Two Yapso Sopo glass. I remember having that glass, using that glass regularly. We had probably had a few of them in the house. So Mon Mon Two Yapso Sopo is the guy who first comes to my mind when I think of number twenty-four, and then. You know, there's some, some historic players that wore number um, 34 as well, such as Merlin Olsen, longtime announcer of the NFL, and then Bruce Matthews, who kind of one of the guys who continued the lineage of the Matthews family in the NFL. I think he played nearly 25 years, or excuse me, nearly 20 years in the league, uh, offensive tackle for the Houston Oilers, and then the Titans. So a couple, those are a couple guys that could really come to um, come to my mind when I think of number twenty-four. But sir, speaking of the NFL, we had the big game at the end over the weekend, this past weekend, and what a game it was, huh? If I if I remember correctly, you had a blowout, forty-two to twenty-one or something like that. If I remember correctly. Uh, my initial prognostication is 40 to 17. 40 to 17. So, see, I wasn't far off that. Well, I wasn't far off the actual ending of the score. I predicted 31-24. It ended up being 31-20. I just had the game the way it transpired a little wrong. I thought San Francisco would be trying to mount a comeback. However, it was the Kansas City Chiefs who was down 10 points again for the third time. A historic third time down by 10 to come back and win. This time they scored 24 unanswered to claim the Super Bowl title. And I want to ask you, with this comeback, you know, they have done it. They got used to coming back. But in this comeback, did the Chiefs win this game or did the 49ers blow it? Uh, in my estimation, the 49ers blew it just from the simple fact that they had the game exactly where they wanted it. Um, they had the, the defense dictating to the offense what they wanted to do, um, and they were in position to uh, run the ball, which is their strength. So, unfortunately for them, um, as the game transpired, they weren't able to capitalize on any of those things, and they let the high-flying chance for the Chiefs come back you know, and and score twenty one on the answer to win the game. So when you say they had the they had the Chiefs right where they wanted them, why do you think it is that they weren't running the ball and decided to pass? Hard to say. I mean, perhaps they felt a little bit of uh, you know desperation with regards to you know what the Chiefs have been able to do to other teams, you know, in the playoffs. Um, perhaps they just, you know, got away from the game plan a little bit and, you know, once it came, you know, time to execute, they just 
just didn't have it in them to, to do that. With that being said, I think the Chiefs won the game. I mean, you have to come back to win. You have to score points to win the game. The 49ers did their part to make it easy for them, but you still have to go out, go out and score points. Patrick Mahomes, the way he played, you know, he took a, uh, took a couple of hits from the defenders, and, you know, he came back to the next play trying to complete the passes, uh, sign of the heart of a champion. Once the it was clearly it was clear, excuse me, that San Francisco front four was getting to him. By the second half, he was able to kind of shake some of that thoughts and fear that some of the quarterbacks have, and continue to press upon press on and, and go up the field. Now he threw a couple bad turnovers. Some, I think the second one was was worse because it was behind him. You don't see him throw behind the receiver very much, or you hadn't seen him throw behind the receiver very much this off season or the season. Behind them, and then of course it gets tipped. Defender picks it up, and I think that's the moment you're talking about where the 49ers should just kind of ran the ball one, two, three, runs in a row, take some time off the clock before they end up having to give it back to last year's MVP of the league. But no, they're running on first down, try to pass it on second down. That ball gets batted away, if I remember correctly, and now they're stuck on third and ten, have to throw it again, and up. By a touchdown, well, excuse me, up by a field goal before they try to go deep to Sanders to no avail. So I got to give the Chiefs credit. Their defense stood up knowing that the run was coming. They stood up and held strong. They didn't let Garoppolo get too comfortable in the pocket. They didn't let the receivers take a lot of advantage with them. You didn't see a lot of plays completed deep against the Chiefs. However, I will give must give Kyle Shanahan credit. Early in that game, man, the way his play designs and the way he was calling the game, he was clearly outclassing Reed in that first half. I think they averaged eight nine eight point nine yards a carry. I mean they were just ripping off of big big games one after another after another. I'm surprised that Garoppolo wasn't able to take advantage of that those opportunities early in the game. Nonetheless, as you said, it kind of we saw how things worked. The Niners ended up giving up, uh, giving away a big lead and allowing the Kansas City Chiefs to come back. So I'm gonna ask you this question: Make you think a little bit. When is the last time you, you we've seen fans have seen? Somebody blow two Super Bowl championships in four seasons. Uh, the last thing that I can think of was the Buffalo Bills going two in a row. Well, okay, I mean that doesn't really count. Buffalo got beat by better teams. They didn't blow those games. It wasn't. It was they weren't close and made a couple of mistakes that cost them the game. They got beat by better teams. I mean, if you care to run through it, we we already established they got beat by the greatest team on the greatest NFL team around. Then they got beat by the Redskins, if I remember correctly. Then they got well, they got beat by the Giants. Then the Cowboys. Then the Redskins. Or oh, was the Cowboys twice? 
the Cowboys, excuse me, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Cowboys twice. So, exactly. So, those two times they got beat by the Cowboys, I mean, those were the greatest teams we've already established that, right? The greatest teams in football. So, and it was not like it was close. The 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 game against the Giants was close, but again, would you say the, the they blew it or the Giants, you know, the Giants had to kick a field goal and no, Norwood missed the field goal in the end of that Giants game. Otherwise, that would have changed the fortune for those guys a lot. So I wouldn't say they blew that game. And then the other games weren't close. So I can't say they blew two games. You, you know, you feel what I'm saying? Okay. Um, I'm talking about blowing two games where you had the game in the bag, in the hand, and then you, you turn around and give away 21 straight points. Like we saw what happened the other night. If you think about a few years ago, the Atlanta Falcons gave up, had the Patriots down 28-3, to and the Patriots came on back to win that Super Bowl. You know who the offense coordinator that Atlanta Falcons team was? If memory serves, it was Mike Shanahan. It was Kyle Shanahan. And to Kyle Shanahan, yes. And he didn't want to – he didn't want to run the ball then. And why he's having – Matty Ice drop back and throw passes when he's up 28 points is beyond me. But you got a young, you got two stud young back. Coleman was on that team, kind of think about it. He was, that, that happened to him twice. Add him to the list. And then the other running back from Florida State was on the list. So they had a, a two-headed monster in the backfield, but they weren't running the ball. They're trying to pass it with Matty Ice. It didn't make a lot of sense. So, to, to, I'm going to answer my own question. Any, the only guy we've seen to blow two Super Bowls in four years is Kyle Shanahan. And so, if you want to look at that look at it that way, I mean, I can, I can clearly see that, and you can convince me of that. But as we know how the game transpired, um, had a tremendous halftime show. Who won the halftime show, in your opinion? Was it Shakira? Was it J Lo? Was it the twelve year old boys around America? Who won uh twelve to boys around America age twelve to to fifty, I would say, enjoyed that more than anybody. How about you? I would have to agree. Um I, I would have to give a nod to Shakira. I thought she thrown a, a tremendous uh halftime performance, uh and and kind of reestablished herself as uh, one of the premier entertainers uh, in the world. You said establish herself as a premier. I said, I said, I, I said, I said reestablished. Okay. Reestablished herself as one of the premier entertainers in the world. I wasn't sure that she had ever gone anywhere. Because if you remember closely, Shakira, this wasn't her first brush with the NFL. A couple of years ago, the game was supposed to be played in Mexico City. But the field got so torn up by Shakira fans because she had a concert there a couple of weeks before that the field was deemed unplayable. And they ended up playing the Kansas City Chiefs-LA Rams game here in the Coliseum, which was that game that went 54-51, to 51, if you remember that. I do remember that shootout. Yeah, so that shootout was in L.A. because of Shakira fans towards the field a couple of weeks before though so, in Mexico City. So Shakira I don't think she she 
the NFL helped her, of course. But I don't think she needed a reestablishing of any uh, by any means. But nonetheless, that was a pretty, a pretty nice, pretty grand halftime show. I, I was in my seat. I didn't move. Because I wanted to see kind of how the show was going to transpire. A lot of people want to give it number one billing. But I'm going to ask you that off the script. Who was your number one billing in the halftime show in the NFL? That should be Prince or Michael. Oh, I, I definitely think that, uh, that Prince was is the best uh, halftime performance that they've had to, to date. Um, I'm not quite sure who they would actually get to to surpass that, but it, it was Prince, uh, you know, not in his prime, but definitely, uh, you know, as a marquee performer. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty uh, impressive. I, I, you know, Michael in Tampa, I think, was just bananas. But that was a that was a pretty impressive show, nonetheless. Who should have won that MVP award? You know, as a, as a football purist, um, I would have probably leaned towards Danny Williams. I thought the three touchdowns um, kind of pushed him over, you know, over the threshold, but. At the same time, it is the quarterback that brought you back from, you know, 10 points down in the fourth quarter. So it's not unusual to give a nod to the quarterback. So not at all surprised or upset that Patrick Mahomes won it. If I had a vote, I probably would have voted for Damian Williams. I, too, would have voted for Damian Williams, the former Miami Dolphin who went back to Miami and won the Super Bowl in Miami. That had had to be pretty sweet for him. But I, too, would have voted him as a Super Bowl MVP. Although, like you stated, you can't be mad, can't be upset. They give it to Patrick Mahomes, last year's MVP, becomes the youngest guy to win MVP of the league and then a Super Bowl MVP award. Uh, he's just he's living high, high in the hog, isn't he? Absolutely, and the future looks look, looks very bright. Um, it, it, it's hard to see them not being the uh, you know the front runner and uh, you know Super Bowl favorite for you know many years to come. That being said, Cam, we had a little bit of a conversation the last show with regards to how you were going to watch the game, and I'm just curious how that whole thing transpired. Well, we had a. Uh, Audible was called. I ended up watching it at a bar, a a quiet bar. Oddly, there was 10 people in the bar when I walked in there. Eight of them had no idea the the Super Bowl was coming on. Very bizarre. Oh, wow. Very bizarre. Nonetheless, six TVs in the bar, good food, Super Bowl day special. And I watched it with a guy probably 10 years my senior. But he was he knew football, so it was so we got through. It was just a strange it was a strange day. He had um, some things I can't get into, but it was a strange day. So Audible was called, and uh, yeah, I watched watched it in a bar. And again, it was just the wildest thing that 10 people in the bar, eight of them did not know. The Super Bowl was on, so 
kind of give you a, a, a I was my my head was blown. My head was blown. So I didn't go I didn't go to the uh, producer's house as I intended to. But yeah, that's how I watched the game. How about you? How'd you watch the game? You know, watching here at the house with a couple of friends on the uh, on the big screen, and uh, you know, it was a great uh, great atmosphere, great event. So, yeah, just wanted to double check. I know the DJ uh, environment was kind of a, a question mark coming into the show, and you were going to, you know, tentatively, uh, you know, do a drive-by, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> you know, before things got started, and uh, you know, to determine if that's something that you ultimately wanted to do, but. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to call an audible and things happen. So it was just uh, curious how that, how that whole thing went down. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. And, you know, so audibles, you call audibles for emergency situations. So I just definitely had one. So where did you have, after Sunday's performance, MVP performance, and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, where did you have Pat, Patrick Mahomes in the rankings among Super Bowl winning quarterbacks? Oh, boy. I hadn't really gotten to the rankings of Super Bowl quarterbacks, per se. I was happy for him to have won one, and whenever in any sport you're able to win a championship early, it's always uh, better for your career because you're you're not chasing uh, championships. You don't have to worry about the pressure um, that comes with not having won one, and you don't have to worry about trying to achieve the accolades of winning one. So um, I'm, I was happy that he got his, you know, and got it out of the way, like you said, before his 25th birthday. That's awesome. Um, but as far as in the, you know, annals of time with regards to the other, you know, you know, 47 and 48 winning quarterbacks, hadn't hadn't really ranked them. Okay, that's fair enough. We'll, we'll come We'll have plenty of time to come back and and bring bring that back, bring that topic back up. But we'll have plenty of time for that. But I, I would have to say, off the top of my head, he's pretty high in that ranking. So wow. after, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll have, we'll have to get back to that because I don't really know what your what your justification is for for that being ranked really, really high. I mean, he had a great season. Uh, and they won the Super Bowl, but you know, lots of quarterbacks have done that. And some of them have done that multiple times, actually. So but I'm sure you have your reasons. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we might circle back circle back to that one sooner than you think. And, again, that's okay. why because, you know, the, the whole – their whole persona changes, their whole the whole picture, the how you rank quarterbacks, you know, according to your ranking. I would just go based off your ranking, sir. Once they win a championship, everything changes for them. So I would try to limit it to those quarterbacks who have won a championship and just see what your ranking was because a lot of people are saying he's changing the game. He's, he's a game changer, one that can big enough to run. He has wills. He has a great arm throws from many different he's just not a straight back drop back passer he can throw on the run he can, he, he can throw it at any arm angle actually so he has superior arm talent he has good mobility young guy I was wondering how, how would you rank him and it, it I, I was eager to hear that but if you're not ready you're not ready I get it I get it 
So how would you rank Travis Kelsey's podium speech? Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's become par for the course. Um, you know, after his uh, brother's uh, very colorful podium speech, and I think it's just kind of become the uh, the in vogue thing to do. You know, get really plastered, get really wasted, and you know, get to the end of it, and just kind of you know say things that are off the top of your head. You know, in the euphoria of winning a a Super Bowl, and you know it's. I think that we'll see more of those to come. I think it was great. I, th- I think they're awesome. I don't think it was as good as his brother, though. And you say coming off the top of their head. I don't think either one of them came off the top of their head. That was thought out and, and planned, exactly. Of His brother's was – I think he probably had a, a speechwriter do his because he went down the line of how incapable some of those – his teammates were and – he knocked off every drawback or bad thing that was written about him and brought it up as they're being crowned Super Bowl champions. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And then the down 10 points in the divisional playoff games, whatever. Down 24 points in the playoff game to Houston. It didn't matter. Down 10 points, four minutes to go in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I think that was great. Uh, I definitely liked it. And then the, you know, the woo. Rick Flair, I don't even know if you saw Rick Flair. So that was a little um, inauthentic, I, I thought. But just it. Just the emotions that, that he's having to pour through and then, you know, the fight for the right to party. Hey, kudos to you. I, I'm not sure that he heard the – he probably heard the Beastie Boys, but I know he wasn't around then. So, it was uh, – he had to go dig deep for that one. So, good good work out of him. Congratulations to them winning. Now, let's talk about – before we go to a break, man, let's talk about some of these prop bets that we came up with. Um, and then, the, you know, our rankings. And I'm just looking at it right off the top. I see, okay, you got an extra point in there you probably shouldn't have got. But will Shakira and J-Lo sing in Spanish? Shakira did. J-Lo did not. Oh, she did come out with the Alo, Ola Miami. <laughs> she did just as you thought. But man, did. check that out, man. Check that out. I, I told you how that was going to go. I'm not even trying to hear nothing on that. Give my point. What's that? So give me my point. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say about that. I mean, you call you you call. I don't know why I gave you a point, but you called it. You said no, they didn't. You, but I called it. Yeah, you, she, the old of Miami. That's, that's exactly what she said, and she did not say another word in Spanish the whole the whole time on stage. Uh, you, you called that one, so good call for you. Will Pitbull or, or Ricky Martin come on stage? No, I said no, or I said yes. You said no. I guess you deserve the extra point there, man. My bad, right there. Okay. I don't know the guy. There's two. I don't, do you know the guy who was on stage? Like, I had asked somebody to one of the... They were both They were both, They were were both. both reggaeton stars. So, you know, it's a different genre than you're used to. I understand that. But I was surprised that Mr. 305, people did not make an appearance. Was not surprised Richie Martin didn't make an appearance. I didn't think he was relevant enough to do that. 
mentioned three or five. I was shocked. Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of blown away too. But uh, you don't listen to the reggae tones either, so you stop. I do listen to a little bit of the reggae tone. Thanks so much for asking. <sighs> oh, <laughs> now I'm gonna be way off skip. What reggae tone artist do you listen to? Man, I listen to all them chaps, man. Just get off me, man. Don't, don't, don't get off me about my regular tone listening. Hey, no, no, no. Reggae tone. I, hey, I went to a uh, reggae tone to hear Don Omar. It was amazing. I didn't know not one song. I did not know one song that I went into the building listening to. However, when I came out there sweating like I was on a basketball court. I mean, it was an absolutely amazing atmosphere. Um but it was a Don Omar concert. I couldn't tell you who he brought on stage. Couldn't tell you who were the female artists he brought on stage. But again, I left that as I left the concert like I was on a basketball court. So I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and the atmosphere was very pleasing as well. The scenery in the in the stadium was very pleasing as well. I must say. I'm sure it was an amazing experience for you. Yeah, yeah. Um. Will, will Colin Kaepernick be mentioned? I didn't hear Colin Kaepernick's name mentioned one time. Which I said no, and I, I believe I believe you said he would be. Yeah, as I'm saying I should have gave you another point. Boom, boom. I don't know why. I okay, talking. yeah. So three tip. So three tip. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, who would be mentioned first? It was Joe Montana. I think when they was mentioning towards late in the game, when they're trying to, when they're trying to give the the trophy polishing it off for San Francisco. They mentioned Joe Montana and Steve Young shortly thereafter. Um, that's what I heard. It was late in the game, but it was Joe Montana. Who will score? Who will score? Will, will the first score be a TD or a field goal? We both said field goal, which it was. Will a sack or TD happen first? I said a sack. Sack was the first to happen. Team to commit the first turnover. I said San Francisco. That happened. Although you do have two extra points, you should have been on the list. It looks like it'd be it's a tie this far because you said Steve. No, that didn't happen. You had the field goal. No, uh, you said a TD, not a sack. First team to commit the turnover. You had KC. Largest lead of the game. 13 and never got to 13. With 13 and a half, I had the under. You had the over. Team with the first sack, San Francisco or KC. San Francisco had the first sack. And the team scored last. I had San Francisco. We both had San Francisco. However, it was the other way around. So, yeah, this would have been a tie, uh, even up, because I did get set up a couple points there, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Cleveland, let's take a break here. Right now, fans, we're going to have a a guest come on, Landon Buford. You guys heard him before. He's going to join us to talk about these NBA trades. Cleveland, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about the NFL, and we'll wrap it up with the XFL. Uh, the people at What's Good the Sports want to want to talk to you, talk to the fans, and make sure you guys tune into the website. Every Cleveland, have you seen the What's Good the Sports website? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Lots of uh, 
positive stories and lots of great content. Um, the people they told me uh, personally, make sure you guys go visit the website. So please, when you get a chance after the show, check out the what's good in, what's good in sports.com website. All right, welcome back, fans. Joining us today to talk about NBA, we got Mr. Landon Buford to help run things down on the NBA trades that just happened. Trade trade deadline ended today. It was just earlier this afternoon. So let's talk about these NBA trades, Cleveland. Mr. Landon, That's how good. you doing? I'm well. Mr. Landon, thanks for joining us as always, man. Let the people know where they can find your work. They can find me at heavy.com. They can find me at landonbuford.com. And they can also find me on uh, thehypemagazine.com. Okay, Mr.com. What trade caught your eye today? We know the Clippers, man. They, the Clippers made some moves. They got Marcus Morris Sr. They got Isaiah Thomas. Wiggins going to from Minnesota. to going to state. I mean, he goes from the outhouse to the penthouse, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then he's, you know, the playing. I kind of like the trade in the sense that Wiggins goes from a number one option that everybody's kind of disappointed in to a number four option, which he should excel in that in that role. Mm-hmm. We also have going to Iguodala being traded to Miami Heat which is interesting because the way Miami Heat works out, you know, they don't work out lightly. They don't take – they don't do load management. They play serious, like, military-type training regiment that they have there. And is Ziggy going to be able to come off the golf course and jump right and play like that? That's going to be pretty interesting. And then we had uh, Andre Drummond going from the Detroit Pistons the Cleveland Cavaliers when Detroit agreed not to trade him. So, you know, it has him feeling some kind of way. So, Cleveland, let me ask, start with you, Cleveland. Which one of these trades did you like most, and what was the most impactful trade, do you think? Well, I think the most impactful trade was uh, Mr. Morris and Mr. Thomas going to the Clippers. Uh, oh. If that only for the fact that uh, Mr. Morris didn't have an opportunity to go and play with the eventual world champion at Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, it was somewhat of a defensive move on their part. So I think from a, you know, a strategic standpoint, um, definitely was probably the best move of, of the afternoon. Um, the other trade, I don't really feel were that significant because I don't really think that they will shift the balance of power in any way um, this, this season. Uh, maybe going forward, if uh, Andrew Wiggins can kind of, you know, somewhat, you know, find himself over there in Golden State once, you know, the, you know, the troops come back, you know, meaning, you know, Curry and Thompson, and plus, you know, whatever pick they get um, to kind of go into that mix, um, you know, perhaps, you know, that will come to fruition. But you know, just right after, you know, right after the break, I'm not sure the Clippers want it. Interesting. Interesting. Finally, give them credit from the Clippers some credit. How about you, Mr. Landon? Well, I would say the Clippers until I found out that, that they were uh, going to, you know, trade the, you know, Tacoma Washington native. Uh, I'm not trade, sorry, release him um, mm. at some point. So um, I think 
Um, he's going to be waived. He's going to be waived. So I think the Clippers um, made a, you know, a big splash to put him in the, you know, to keep them in lock in that second seed that they're currently in. Um, so, um, and I think the Heat trade to get Iguodala, uh, if they could have gotten Gallinari, they could have uh, possibly challenged the Bucks for the East. But for right now, I think that puts them in a solid third in the East right now uh, with the Iguodala trade, in my opinion. Um, other than that, I like the Wiggins trade to um, Golden State and uh, D'Angelo Russell to uh, Minnesota because obviously that will uh, will appease uh, Carl Anthony Towns for now because obviously he was not very happy with the direction of the team. But uh, I think the Clippers uh, shocked everybody today by uh, vamping up their uh, their second second unit. Yeah, I don't like for the Clippers. I don't like necessarily like them getting rid of Mo Harkless. Uh, I don't like that part. I think Mo is a great defender. I'm not sure that Morris is going to be the defender that Mo Harkless is. But uh, on the other hand, Harkless wasn't the scorer that Morris is expected to be. So, but I don't know Morris. And I'm wondering that chemistry does how Morris is going to fit in as a number four option. You know, it's going to be. Luke Williams, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Montrezl Harrell, and then Marcus. I don't, I don't know that he steps in there and is the number two or three scorer. So I don't, I don't expect that to be the situation. So um, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Also, Tim Wave, I've been saying for a year and a half, they needed a point guard. They need a, I, they need a true point guard. Waving Isaiah Thomas, I'm not sure where the where the logic is there. Um, do they not want him in the locker room? I don't know. I'll, I'll be eager to hear. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there's no games here, no home games anyway for the next few weeks, so we won't get this answer for a little while. But I'll be eager eager to hear what the logic was behind waving him when I think it was a clear need. Because I'll tell you, like I tell you guys, like I've been telling most of the media that we have, I have this conversation with here while we're working is Paul George can get his own shot, Kawhi Leonard can get his own shot, Lou Williams can get his own shot, and they can all get each other their shots. However, how better, more efficient would they be if they had somebody else to get them their shots? In their prime shooting, in their shooting uh, sweet spot, while they're in motion, I think Lou definitely would be better if he was able to catch and shoot or catch pump fake and get to the hole. Paul George, he he can do everything. He can get people the ball, but he can give other people the shot when he has the ball in his hand. But how much better would he be if he was able to pump fake and then get to the bucket, or just you know catch it and then do a, do a thing on the wing? instead of trying to do a thing and get somebody else to open an open shot. I think it's been shown time time again and then again with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard can play without the ball in his hand. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. He's good with the ball in his hands, but he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. So if you had a true legit point guard in there who doesn't have to score, who doesn't have to look for their shot, that would be ideal for them. 
some it's really perplexing as to why they're going to waive IT. That's that's really confusing. But I think Marcus Moore is going to bring a lot to that team. Attitude, defense, it toughens them up. Um, you're definitely not going to punk these Clippers. That's for sure. With uh, Patrick Beverly, um, Marcus Morris, and Montrezl Harrell on the team, nope, these Clippers aren't getting punched. You're not going to push any any of these guys around. So, and, yeah. Hello? Who are you talking to, me or? Either one of you guys. What do you think about that? I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, uh, uh, the Clippers finally get their man because they had a $20 million deal for Marcus Morris uh, prior to him signing with the Spurs um, with the whole, you know, debacle with um, the Rich Paul situation. Um, so I, I'm glad to see that they finally get their guy um, probably a lot cheaper than they would have been in the original deal. Um, but, if, you know, they – they had to give away a crate piece for it, but I'm happy to see the Clippers actually finally get their guy, uh, Marcus Morris. Isn't he? Isn't he in the last year of his contract? Can he walk at the end of the year? Um, I would have to check on that, but um, I know he was a free agent early um, uh, this summer. That's why he was able to sign with. He signed a one year with the Spurs with the, originally, and then pop and then let him out of his contract so he can go to New York. Yeah, I think it was a one-year deal that he signed, but uh, we can get some clarification for you, fans. Cleveland, what's your thoughts on that on that trade? Well, I definitely think that it helps the Clippers um, in their second-round matchup with the, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, perhaps you know they can take, you know, take that take that to seven games, and uh, you know really make a series <laughs> out of it. Um, with regards to doing anything more major than that, I'm not really sure that that moves really. Uh, you know, puts him in a, a stronger position to 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 reach the championship. To be quite honest with you. Well, if he got traded and put on the purple and gold, you you tell me that they're winning the championship in in four games. I, I didn't say in four games. I mean, that would be you know, quite optimistic. I mean, you know, you know, you have to see each other out and you know, play the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, and Giannis and those guys. You know, that's that's no small task. So you know, four games would be a little, you know, a little optimistic. To be quite honest. Okay, um, so as you guys see it now, bro, I understand fans. I'm talking to two Laker fans, bandwagon Laker fans, because one's in the Northeast, one or Northwest, one's in Texas. So both of these guys are bandwagon Laker, Laker fans. But Cleveland, I'm from the guy that can't get Clipper, uh, Lakers credentials. Okay, yeah, yeah that's that's. that's, 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 that's Ooh, wow, wow! I was not <laughs> <laughs> Whew. There's a reason for that, right, Landon? There's a reason why those, why those Clipper credentials are so readily available. That might be a topic for another time. Yeah, that is a topic for another time. He, he knows it's a little more than that. But who had the better trade of the day from you guys, from either one of your second fans' opinion? Mm. Uh, for me, the best the best trade of the day was probably uh, the Andrew Wiggins D'Angelo Russell trade um, with Golden State and the and the Timberwolves. Just like, from, from the fact, sorry, I said you like that one. 
Yeah, just from the fact that um, I didn't really see D'Angelo fitting in long term with a backcourt that at least it will have Stephen Clay. And not only do you get uh, Wiggins, you know, on the wing, but you also get um, a Minnesota Timberwolves pick that this is not one of the top three that you ultimately end up with. So, and that's in 2021 when the draft gets a little bit thicker because the high school kids can once again come straight from high school to the pros. So, um, I think long term, not necessarily salary wise, let me take that off the table, but um, if Andrew Wiggins can actually reach, a, you know, scratch, um, you know, the surface of his potential, it's a good trade for him um, because DeAndre Russell's wasn't in the long term plans and you get that extra pick. So, I, I think that was probably the best trade of the day. And what do you got, Miscellaneous? I would I would agree. Um, technically, the Iggy tra- trade happened yes last night, and then we find the parameters. Uh, Memphis was actually in Dallas um, a couple uh, a couple of days ago, so we knew that uh, with uh, um, uh, a couple of their players sitting out. Um, without an explanation, we, now we know why, because they were in the trade, Solomon, and I can't forget the other guy who started the fight in New York um, off the top of my head. But, yeah, I think um, that was the best trade. Um, I think as far as Drummond moving, I didn't I didn't think that that was going to happen after they said they were going to trade him. But then again, you got to remember, it is a business. Um, and he wasn't too happy about that, but in regards to the question, um, I think that the Timberwolves trade with the Warriors was the best trade of the of the day. I'm not sure that was the best trade of the day or the best trade of the trade of you know at the deadline, but I do think Wiggins being able to kind of fit into a role there in Golden State, and like I said, he's going to be playing a third or fourth scoring role. Great option for a third or fourth guy, right? A new, former number one pick, somebody with a lot of athleticism, somebody who can, who is long and lengthy, can get to the basket. I think that's a good pickup in that sense. And then obviously considering D'Lo was, you know, we knew what that was about when they made the move to sign him, and then go ahead and trade for trade for another piece to kind of get them back. So that was a good trade. I like them. I like Marcus Morris. I just don't like it for Harkless. So I, I can't say that was a great trade. And in, uh, to your point, Landon, it's really interesting to be in the locker room, or not even lo- in the locker room. We were standing there waiting for Spolster to come to the podium when the buzz went around that made the trade, and they're, they're signing Iggy. We're waiting for uh, Jackson. Jim Jackson, Jackson, the Miami Heat reporter, we're, we're trying to get him to confirm it, but he hadn't heard about it yet. And But every, all the other reporters, Windhorse was there, Amina Hassan was there, Rachel Nichols with Jackie McMullen was, you know, feet, feet away, and everybody's buzzing about this potential trade that, again, hadn't been confirmed, but everybody's knows about it and we're talking about that and so obviously 
when when uh, Bosa comes to the podium, he he refuses to address it because it hasn't been sealed or confirmed. But when Horse asked him about it, because we just heard heard about it seconds before, that was very interesting. Kind of to be in the building when some of this has happened. So it was reported that Waiters was going to be in the in the trade, and Waiters played last night. He played against the Clippers last night. So that was again, it was just interesting to be in that in the building when people were evolved in these trades. That information going down. I will have to say the Clippers are keeping Terrence Mann, who hasn't got a lot of starting time, a lot of starts this season. So he's a, a big, strong guard. That was a good good work out of them. They had to trade one of their other guys. That was good work out of them to keep them. But I have to say, the best trade of the day, I guess looking at the full potential of it, and we won't see the we won't see the results of it. As I have to agree with you guys, we're going from Minnesota to Golden State. Uh, enough of the trade talk, but I'd like to get your opinion and tell the folks, Landon, what have you seen? And what do you believe his ceiling can be now that we've been able to see him play for, you know, uh, 10 games? I think he's at a game 11, if if I remember correctly. I just uh, talked to somebody about this a couple of days ago. Um, The the individual said she could see um, Zion actually stealing the rookie of the year from uh, John Morant uh, if if he was able to not have a uh, a minute restriction. But for me, uh, I was one of those people that, that felt that he probably should sit out. Um, a couple other analysts down here uh, have said the same. I know Stephen A. Smith said this on a, on a uh, national uh, platform. But um, from what I've seen, uh, I, I like it. Um, I just feel like that uh, his ceiling – I know, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Jeff Van Gundy feels that he's a Hall of Fame talent. Uh, right now, me personally, um, I, I, I'm still on the fence on what, what he can bring on a, a, a on a full scale to, uh, you know, because when you said it's been 11 games, correct? Yeah, I think it's been 11 games. Been in eleven games. Well, we know to, for analytics, it's it's got to come in you know ten game spurts. But from what we've seen right now, I, I I'm still kind of still on the fence about Zion. But I'm glad to see him out there and actually being able to play and um, bringing some excitement to New Orleans. Hey, Cleveland, what are you seeing? I mean, we talked about this a couple of different times, but now that we've seen him play for you know nearly a week, two weeks, what are your thoughts on Zion and? his development thus far? I think that what I've seen from a small sample size, uh, he's a top 10 talent, Cam. Um, very similar to Landon. Initially, I thought that, you know, as it got later and later into the season that, you know, you might as well call it a wash. And we just call this a redshirt year, uh, much similar to, you know, Gerald Embiid and Ben Simmons and some of the other uh, superstars that are coming to the league. They just get out a year and get acclimated to the NBA lifestyle and they just, you know, kind of, you know, take that second season is kind of, you know, dipping your toe in the water and, and kind of see what you're about. But 
the mere fact that he's been able to do it early and initially and have such an impact on the game just in the small spurts that he's in. I mean, like what I'm saying, like with the minute restriction and making sure nothing happens to the, you know, the goose that laid the golden egg, um, you, you see that his play is sporadic because he doesn't know what he's going to do in the game and for how long. There's no flow to it. But when he's in there, he's super dominant. Like on that same level as Giannis and AD and LeBron and Willard and Harden, I mean, he is that dude. You have to factor in what is he going to do to stop him. Because if you don't, he's just going to run over you. He has a skill set that's extremely unique. And I think going forward, um, top 10 talent, sky's the limit. Wow. Wow. Well, we got two complete opposite opinions there. <coughs> Excuse me. I like what I've seen from Zion. Um, in no way do what I've thought about or considering saving him if he could play if he the difference between hurt and injured if he was injured obviously you want him to sit out if he's just dealing with a little bit of pain now I want I want you to play in no waste of seasons I mean if anything we know from this tragic accident that you know live your life and get out there when you can so I wouldn't have never suggested that he sit out and just you know go show up to the arena but play some games if you can play some games. And so I'm glad he's out there playing. I'm glad he's out there showing the league, like, what are you missing? As for catching John Moran, I mean, come on, that's last for them. Come on. John Moran, yeah. some some people have him uh, top ten in the league already as a point guard. And I don't have him that good, but John Moran is doing his thing, and he's actually going to have Memphis. He has Memphis right now today in the eighth seed in the West, in the Western Conference. So. He's playing big ball, and unless if New Orleans was to go on a you know ten to fifteen game winning streak with Zion averaging that twenty twenty two to twenty seven points a game, that would be the the only way that he kind of eclipsed John Morant as a rookie of the, rookie of the year. That's yeah, we'll leave that there at that. With the All-Star break coming up, guys, next weekend, what's your thoughts on the new All-Star adjustments, how they're going to have the players play game or quarter one, two, and three for charity? At the end of the third quarter, they're going to tally up the score, and then the team with the highest point total, they're going to add 24 points on that, and then that that becomes the – the goal, the game score. So if the team finishes through three quarters, have 100 points, they'll add 24 points onto the 100, make it 124, and that's the game. Until whichever team gets to 124. So I like that a whole lot. Um, that could be a really quick fourth quarter because if a team, you know, as example, hits, is, is rolling, hits eight threes, you know, that's only um, – Two buckets that the you know a winning team is going to have to make. So I don't know if that makes it more com, um, competitive. If you hear I posted what Doc said, I asked Doc about the com- competition level and the All Star game last night, and he gave his response. So you guys should take a listen to that. Voice of the fans on YouTube and clearly labeled. Hear what Doc has to say about 
the chains in the NBA All Star game is nothing. I don't think either either one of you guys was um, refute. But yeah, I, the com, com, competition level has waned, as we know. I'm not sure that this is uh, moves the needle as far as competition level in the NBA. What were your thoughts, man? Let's start with you first. Uh, Landon? Oh, I thought Cleveland was going to go. Um, I think that um, I know Damian Lillard tried to uh, pitch something about uh, a king of the king of the court tournament prior to them announcing um, the tribute to Kobe with the 24 point things and, and basically having each quarter as, you know, uh, susceptible to a game winner. Um, I like it. Um, I think it gives the, uh, people a little bit more to play for because it seemed like in the last couple of years they weren't they weren't really playing for anything. I, of course, they're going to get money for participating, but uh, with the charity being attached to it as well, I think it allows the players to actually do something uh, and be meaningful um, this year compared to a couple of in the last several years. So kind of felt like I kind of felt like it was not really. They were happy to be there, but they'd ever be out in Cabo, as uh, Luka Doncic uh, said, after participating in last year's All-Star Weekend. Okay. Well, who wouldn't want to be in Cabo if you don't have to work? Cleveland, your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I, for two reasons, I'm not a big fan of this. A, I'm not a big fan of kind of changing the rules of kind of how games would normally transpire just for – for more excitement, um, and especially, you know, given, you know, the, the set of circumstances. And secondly, the All-Star game uh, was never really, and especially in, in recent years, never really meant to be competitive. It's really just kind of a showcase of, of the league's top talent um, and just kind of get out there and kind of really just kind of do a warm-up exhibition game um, to try and make it all super competitive, like someone really cares if they win or lose. They kick it way, way too hard over that weekend. So, I mean, to ask them to come out and really take the game seriously is asking way too much. Um, of course, I was at the one in Vegas and just kind of saw what that whole thing was about. And, you know, anyone that's been in an all-star game knows it's not really about the game. So to try and make it like it's something where, you know, either the team, team or sides care as to who wins or loses is, um, you know, a little bit far-fetched. You know, just get out there and run and gun and, you know, jump around and dunk and just don't just don't get hurt. I think that's pretty pretty much the, the name of the game and trying to make it anything more than that is, you know, just not realistic. Yeah, they I don't know why it's not realistic anymore. Um, and that's one of the questions I asked Doc is like from his vantage point, what happened to that competitive spirit, that vibe that was already permeating through the arenas? Like, uh, don't you wanna beat that guy on the other side of the court or Everybody's become much more friendlier now. I get it, um, but maybe we can see a return of that at, at some point, uh, in, in some style, some form or fashion. Landon, let the people know once again where they can find you, big fella. They can find me at Twitter at LandonBuford dot com. Oh, sorry, at, at Landon Buford. Um, and you can also find me at LandonBuford dot com, Heavy dot com, and TheHypeMagazine dot com. Okay, sir, I want to thank you again for uh, spending time with us and sharing your impact on the NBA. 
Uh, how did you enjoy the Super Bowl, and who was your Super Bowl winner at the halftime awards? Why don't you give us that as you head out? Um, well, I guess the Chiefs were my pick by default because I am not a San Francisco 49ers fan. Um, I will not cheer for in, uh, in-division rivals, especially since I felt like we should have played them in the um, NFC Championship game, and we probably would have been there. But um, outside but the halftime show, I thought it was. I was shot. It was great. Um, and I wouldn't. I wasn't in tune like everybody else. But I, you know, I saw the highlights uh, as we were at a uh, one of the local uh, eateries uh, in town here. So um, I, I, I like the uh, halftime show. I'm glad that uh, J Lo was able to uh, and Shakira were able to showcase um, their talents in front of the world. I'm glad to see um, the, uh, one of the. Uh, Miami Dolphins owners get a chance to perform in front of the world, that being J-Lo. Um, and just, yeah, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Who did you have won in the Super Bowl, Landon? Was it the, the four months? The Chiefs. I had the Chiefs going. Winning. Oh, who did who, you have won in the Super Bowl MVP? Let me rephrase that. Um, I thought somehow, someway, Mahomes would get it. If he led his team back, I felt that they would give him the, the – uh, the MVP trophy. Yeah, he he led them back, and that was brilliant, uh, brilliant on that part. Again, I want to thank you, Landon, for tuning in. Appreciate you having you, and then we'll talk at you soon, big guy. Thank you, thank you guys for having me. No problem. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right, fans, let's thank Mr. Landon Buford again. Go ahead, hit him up. Thank you, Cleveland, for sticking with us. As always, one of the things we do, as we close out at the beginning of our last segment, is talk about this date in history. On the 6th of February, 1820, the first organized immigration of U.S. blacks back to Africa from New York happened. Sierra Leone. That's where they were headed for organized immigration from U.S. blacks back to Africa. Pretty interesting to find that out. But that happened February 6, 1820, Cleveland. Wow. 1945, President Truman appointed Erwin C. Mullison Judge of United States Customs, Customs Court, that was a black man. In, in 1970, the NBA expanded to 18 teams for the 1970-71 season. The new teams that were added were the Buffalo Braves, Cleveland Cavs, Houston Rockets, and the Portland Trailblazers as we now know them. A year later, Satchel Page was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So those are some historic moments in black history that happened on or around this date back in history. We won this weekend. We got more football, buddy. Are you interested in the XFL? Cam, I am... Not really that interested. To be quite honest, it's going to have to take something where I kind of hear something from a 
you know, either an outside source or, you know, kind of watching highlights on, you know, sports there to kind of see something that's going to um, kind of pique my interest and get me kind of um, engaged with regards to the XFL. I just kind of see it as kind of a, you know, a watered-down version of the NFL and not enough big-name players are there just yet. It does not mean that they won't get there eventually or in the future, but just in its uh, inaugural season, um, I haven't heard enough big names to make me really say, yeah, I want to tune in and watch that. Okay, well, if you tune in and watch names, you're probably not going to see that there. However, Cordell Jones is going to be there in the in the NFL. They have some, or in the XFL. They have some high school players. They have some college players coming in with uh, college eligibility college eligibility left, so that can conceivably go back to and play college football before they they make their journey to the NFL. But here's some reasons why you should be interested in watching the XFL, which starts this weekend. You'll be able to see some of the games on Fox and ABC. Joel Klatt and Kurt Menefee, this game has been created by football men. And we know that XFL in years past was created by Vince McMahon, which everybody kind of laughed at because he was a wrestling promoter. So you know there was going to be some shenanigans with that football game, that style of football. But football men are involved with this. Of the senior Luck, Andrew Luck's father, Oliver Luck, he's involved with He's involved with it. Winston Moss, former Seattle Seahawks, former Green Bay Packer, he's the champion, Winston Moss, I should say. He's the head coach of the Los Angeles Wildcats. And they're talking to him. He's hyped up and, and ready to get his team to climb this ladder of entertainment in Los Angeles from, you know, double digits to within the top five now. That's a ambitious goal, we know. However, that's what he said on doing. Real-time radio, real-time audio is going to be something unique that the XFL has, has plans for football fans. There's going to be able to have instant communication with the coaches and the officials, such as we saw the questionable pass interference play on Kittles in the Super Bowl. Now, Joel Clatter, Kurt Minnesee, they'll have access to the officials. What did you see there? How did you? Why did you make that play? So they'll be able to get that real-time action. They'll be able to hear before a quarterback, when a quarterback lets the ball go and he throws an a interception, you often see the quarterback kind of drop his head or throw his hands up or, you know, get down on himself. Well, obviously you know that there's some verbal expression as well. And the fans will be able to hear that in real real time listening to this uh, well, when they're watching the football game, when they're watching XFL football. So the real-time audio will have that transparency for football fans in their games. What they're really trying to do ultimately is bring the football fans closer to the action closer to the game experience that's actually happening if you were on a sideline. You can hear some of this stuff, but, you know, thousands of uh, fans are not on the sideline. 
So it gives you access. They're trying to bring the game closer to those fans. What's your thoughts on that, and will that draw you in a little bit more? Uh, those are definitely some innovative techniques to, uh, you know, increase the fan experience. Um, however, back to my point, it, it comes down to the product on the field. Um, and the thought of just kind of watching football incessantly just for the sake of watching football is not really my thing. Um, if it's a high, you know, caliber quality product, then yeah, I'm more than willing to watch. Like for example, you know, at the end of the USFL, those guys are balling. They had some big name uh, players, uh, you know, Herschel Walker, James Kelly, uh, Reggie White. It, it was definitely a you know a league that was I don't want to say rivaling the NFL, but definitely the players that could pique your interest. Um, this being the inaugural season of the of the XFL. We haven't really established who those players are. Again, you're saying the biggest name really is Tyrell Jones at this point. So um, that's not really a name big enough to carry a league. Um, hopefully the you know, the quality of play is high enough that um, it gets fans to kind of come back and watch and pay attention. I'm just not quite there yet. Um, they need to kind of, you know, I'm not trying to put the you know the cart before the horse, so to speak. Um, if there's a reason to watch, I'm definitely there. And those uh, innovations you know, certainly can contribute to the you know, the, the fan perspective and, you know, the fan pleasure of watching the game. But as of right now, uh, I'm not, I'm in a wait and see mode. All right. Well, I just heard you not to uh, start wait, watching reruns of Days of Our Lives when you got XFL football because uh, there are some other innovations that you probably want to check out and be aware of. And the way they're doing this thing is not just for, you know, change for change's sake, they're doing it to actually to make make it happen so fans can enjoy some quality football. So take a look. Again, you can't you won't know what you see until you turn it on Fox or ABC this weekend and, and you can root for the Seattle Dragons. Who's uh is the is the team up there obviously. Everyone, as always man, we thank you for tuning in. It's been a long long uh, show this week. But uh wanna end this with one quote. Obviously, considering considering the the times and the impact Kobe Bryant has had, and you feel it all over again with this week, that how how things have been uh, drawn out only through his uh, unfortunate, timely, unfortunate, timely death, untimely death that he's had. But the memorial all week long, they finally kind of cleaned that up down at LA Live on Monday. They blocked it off and working on packing even those items, basketballs, hats, shoes, jerseys, sign jerseys, sign hats, posters, flowers, pictures, handwritten pictures, hand-drawn pictures that fans have came down there and laid for him. A lot of that, his wife has asked for those items, and they're probably going to have some type of memorial at Mamba Academy, maybe, with a display of these items. But it was just a, a overwhelming show of love that the city of Los Angeles is pouring upon number uh, 24-8 or what, however you remember her best. But in remembrance of Mr. Kobe Bryant, I'm going to share this quote with you fans. The most important thing is to try to inspire people so they can be the be great in whatever they choose to do. That's what you hear from a lot of players 
again in my last few weeks of talking to different players. It was he inspired you definitely by his work work ethic, and he pushed you to be better than you may have thought you, yourself that you could be. But it was all about work ethic that Kobe Bryant, kind of a lead by example kind of guy, and you, you have to respect that. So. Cleveland, I want to end it on there unless you have a comment that you want to leave. Did you were you able to see the videos of the uh, memorial that was for Kobe Bryant down at LA Live? You know, quite, saw quite a bit of footage, uh, Cam, of the uh, Kobe memorial and just a lot of the you know, tributes and respects that people were able to pay. And, you know, obviously the thing that, you know, will, will stick with most people, uh, you know, along this is just, you know, the competitor that he was and it's just his his will to win and his work ethic to make it happen. So um the, that that quote falls right in line with the kind of, you know what we all think of Kobe. Yeah, well said, well said. Again, Cleveland, thank you for taking time to join us, big guy. And we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, talk to you man. Fans also want to thank you guys before you guys close out. I want to ask you to Please be sure to rate and review our show. And as always, I want to thank you for making our voice your choice. Thanks for making our voice your choice.